Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Once again, I am your host, Armando Angulo, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Wells. We're going to jump into a few teams since we had a little bit of a hiatus because Justin was on the, the beautiful beaches of Cancun last week, uh, making us all a little bit jealous. We, uh, we're going to cover four teams today, and we're going to talk a little bit about lockout. Justin, first and foremost, how was your vacation, my friend? I hope you're refreshed and ready to do these podcasts, man. I, I feel great. It feels like a while since I've heard your voice, which, you know... Depending on upon who you ask, like you know, it could be a positive or a negative. It's a negative for me because I enjoy talking to you. But your girlfriend has, I know, asked in the past how someone could enjoy talking to you. Yeah, uh, she's she, she's shocked that you text me personally on my phone. She's shocked that you even want anything to do with me outside of this. Actually, so uh, no, man, I enjoy this as well. To be quite honest, this is one of my favorite uh, hours hours and change that I look forward to uh, every week. So, yeah, man, and it's the off season. There's a lot going on. Hopefully, there'll be a winter meetings. I know we'll talk about that a little bit, but I think we should uh, just jump right in since we got a little bit catch up to do. Well, let, let, maybe let's talk about the uh, you know the big thing at hand, the spicy meatball. Are we getting a lockout? Um, CBA has to be agreed, I think, by December 1st, and not a lot of information is coming out. You'll see, like, the odd report that, like, lockout is imminent, lockout isn't going to happen. I guess let's not speculate on whether or not it's going to happen, but what do you think the lockout would do to baseball? You know, I think baseball... I mean, they've seen a lockout before, and it was devastating to the game. It was devastating to the popularity. I think baseball is on the rise again uh, in our in our country. It's, it's gaining popularity in the inner cities. It's really um, starting to boom again. There's a lot more excitement around teams. Um, I think it would be devastating for the game. I think it's it, it would be something that sets the game back 10 years or something. Like, it really, it would really do a lot of harm to the game. We've seen the impact that lockouts have had on other sports, like hockey, um, the NHL, for example, and stuff. And it's just it's, it's just something that, you know, you want to avoid at all costs, especially for, for, for some relatively petty things, man. Yeah, so that's the thing, the petty things part, because they make so much money. Right. I think it's the things that are going to be the sticking point are the international draft, which to an extent I get and to an extent I don't. I know why Major League Baseball wants an international draft. And I know why players from the Dominican Republic and Cuba 
uh, don't. Uh, and, and Japan and Korea. I know. I know why they don't. It's because there's a lot more money coming to them. Uh, you know, right off the bat, as signing as an international free agent than there is uh, going through the draft. But I also think that you know, like you pointed out, the inroads that have been made. Uh, the Cubs Indians World Series. I mean, the ratings through, through, of that one were through the roof. Now, granted, you're not going to find a, a World Series of historical consequence like that again, probably ever. But still, I mean, we made tre- there was tremendous gains. I say we as if uh, I work for Major League Baseball. Um, tremendous gains against other sports in the uh, and I hate this because it's going to sound like some sort of commentator's terms. National sporting conversation because if you look, you pointed out the NHL; they're a non-entity. It's a total non-entity. Yeah, no, uh, hockey's definitely uh, had a tough time gaining popularity and gaining traction after the lockout again. I, I mean, it, it's finally starting to come back, a little bit more buzz. Uh, but but ultimately, that 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 sport suffered a lot from that lockout. And uh, it's just something you don't want to see. Like you said, I mean, I understand the international, the, the draft and, and the pros and cons. I get it for both sides. I You know raising the the luxury tax i can understand that for certain teams like the yankees for example yeah hell even the dodgers for example that could benefit um but but for me i think those are just so small insignificant things that 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 can really taint you know the future of the game and can really uh you know, put it on a course that it doesn't necessarily be on. Like you said, this past World Series was phenomenal uh, for historical purposes. And just to see the young talent that's coming through the game now, baseball is becoming a younger game, a more exciting game. And um, it would be an absolute shame, man, to see it uh, revert to what it was, you know, before Maguire and Sosa, you know, went on that run and during the steroids era and a little bit of a, a blip and fall off that it had there. I think, I think it's finally starting to get, you know, where it wants to be like there's no asterisk anymore there's no like you know curtain or shadow hanging cloud overcasting the game the the home run record isn't threatened to fall every season yeah no it's absolutely you know and everything is is seems to be on merit you you see much closer mvp races you see much closer cy young races uh and you see much closer you know divisional and wild card races i really do think that baseball has done a lot in the last 10 to 15 to 20 years to make the game more exciting and more of an even playing field and i think they've been relatively if not very successful in doing so um so it would just be an absolute uh, catastrophe for this to happen right now. I mean, I, I personally don't don't like you said. I don't want to speculate or anything, but I personally can't see this happening. It doesn't really benefit anybody, uh, short term or long term. In reality, yeah, no, I, I I don't get it either. I don't want it to happen because, as far as I'm concerned, opening day is April third, and I'm going to a baseball game that day. And that baseball game is going to happen in Queens, so. Like, you know, that's, I, I don't, the, the concept of a lockout, like, it's not going to, it's not going to push you and I away from the game, but it'll push the casual fan away. And that's really what baseball needs to avoid. Right. Just like hockey, just like the NHL, the hardcore fan never left, but ultimately the casual fan turned, turned their, their attention elsewhere. And, and it's hard to get that back once you lose it, man. Absolutely. What do you think the last time you watched a full regular season NHL game from start to finish was? Last week, to be quite honest, on TV or in person? Oh no, no, on TV. Um, I'm a, I'm a, well, actually, on my laptop because uh, it's hard to. I'm a Rangers fan, um, so it's hard for me to watch uh, us anywhere outside of my laptop. So I, I, I don't watch it 
every game, but I'll try to catch at least one a week, you know, just to keep up with the Rangers. But that's because I enjoy hockey, but not everybody is in the same boat as me. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I got you. I mean, I, I, um, I, I'm not a huge hockey fan, and I, I don't think I've watched I have I've not I have not watched a full end and regular season hockey game in probably about like five years that I haven't gone to. Oh, I believe it. You know, and then I actually recently started getting back into it like on a weekly basis, if not trying to keep up with it more. Um, and it's really because of these long business trips and stuff. You know, Guillermo, my brother, he's a huge hockey fan. He's a Maple Leafs fan, so I kind of get stuck watching it with him when we're in, stuck in hotels together, and it just kind of. You know, has been blossoming little by little. So, like I said, man, I enjoy hockey, but up until recently, you know, like we just discussed, it hasn't been that I've been keeping up with it as consistently as probably I should or or would like to. Yeah, and it's mainly because of how the sports marketed. It comes across as a niche sport. Like it's it comes across as a niche sport that really tailors to the upper Midwest and northeastern U.S. and Canada. Exactly. 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 So, but, but let's move away from that. We're going to go, uh, this week we're covering, we're, we're still in our teams that finished well below 500 and didn't, you know, didn't perform up to either what was expected of them in the, in the preseason or, you know, it did, but did what we roughly expected, it to, expected them to. This week's edition gives us a smatter shot that goes from coast to coast, starting in the Bay Area with the Oakland Athletics, going down to, uh, the I guess the Sun Belt is what you'd call the the, the um, Arizona cover the D backs going across the country to uh, the Gulf Coast and Tampa Bay and finally finishing up in the city of brotherly love in Philadelphia. But we're going to start with the Oakland Athletics, a team that um, if you watched them last year, you are a braver man than me. <laughs> yeah, I mean. This has been the case with the A's for quite a while. I mean, the last time that, you know, you were probably excited to watch the A's were when they still had Mulder, Zito, Hudson doing their thing and even Miguel Tejada out there and stuff like that. Ever since then, it's been kind of a rough time for the A's. They've they've kind of been rebuilding. They've never stopped rebuilding, I guess you can say. I just think the A's don't ever have a chance to really compete again, man, or really compete unless they build from within like they did back, uh, back then where Billy Bean, you know, made magical moves, drafted properly, and, and had a really good competitive team that was really close to making it uh, to the World Series. But for me, it's it's a lot of things. Their lack of a, a new stadium is, is an absolute must in Oakland. Um, without that, they're, they're never going to be able to get the resources they need. They're never going to be able to uh, attract the fans. And and, and, and really, like, like the game is evolving, so is the fan. And so has to you know the facilities and the entertainment and the food and everything in the stadium is an experience now i mean um you know we had the luxury of going to san diego uh actually we met up in san diego to watch the mets padres and and how nice was that beer garden in center field and, a, it's the it's the nicest that beer garden is the nicest amenity in, in all of major league baseball by the way no, absolutely. Craft beer for everyone, every flavor you can imagine. And then just the ambiance, just the, the environment, the friendliness walking around it's out like there a, in the concourse. Ni- yeah, it's a nice wide open sunny deck with like a really nice grassy field behind it in downtown San Diego. Like that's actually the most legitimately perfect venue for a sporting event. Exactly, man. And then and, and that's what attracts a lot of fans to, to these Padre games. I mean, the Padres aren't exactly a good team either. They're never setting the world on fire and they're not necessarily been competitive for quite some time. But people go to the games to enjoy themselves, to enjoy the opposition, to enjoy watching good players come in, to enjoy those types of things. But an added bonus is 
how nice is the venue? How nice are these seats? What can I get at the game? How can I enjoy my experience more? And I think that that's something that is just hindering, you know, the A's so much. And it's not just the A's. I mean, look at the Raiders. They're trying to get to, to, to Las Vegas or, or really, you know, strong arm them and to, to get a new stadium in Oakland. And, and in all honesty, man, the A's need to figure something out in the same regards because they can't just play at the Coliseum forever. I mean, that place is just... It's, it's, it looks like a concrete, like, prison almost, man. So when you're asking, like, what should I be able to get besides the game at the stadium, the unfortunate problem with for the Oakland Coliseum is the answer to that is probably tetanus. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what you're getting at the game. I mean, it's just, it's just such an old – it looked old when the A's were really good in the late 90s. I mean, the late 80s. Like, it oh, looked yeah. old then. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I don't get how they continue to play there, but going to the on-field product, uh, nothing but disappointment here, um, starting with the, the biggest underperformer of them all and potential trade target who's now at a tremendous low, Sonny Gray. Oh, oh, it was, his season was so ugly. Yeah, and it's really disappointing because, I mean, Sonny Gray, he had so much hype and, and he was really the guy that they were really um... – Expecting to go out there and, and, and give them quality starts and be the horse and be the guy that can, you know, stop a losing streak and, and be that guy. And really, I mean, 5-11, and 11, man, only 117 innings pitched. We're talking about, you know, a 569 ERA. And, and Sonny Gray was maybe not elite, but, but you know, maybe a notch just below that. And, and to see him fall so, so hard and so fast is really surprising. It is. I mean... You know what you can go with the Sonny Gray? Sonny Gray is a, a bona fide ace, but he's maybe the twentieth to he's maybe the twentieth best pitcher in baseball. Like he is a bona fide ace, or at least he was up until this season. Uh, but this year he was I mean, injury problems for him, never got settled, control completely left him. The one five whip is really unlike him. I mean he just had every possible thing that you could go that could go wrong for you go wrong. Uh, the only thing that actually seemed to go right for them, the pitching staff, was Sean Manea actually having a decent rookie season. Uh, seven and nine can't look at record with this team because they didn't score runs. Three eight six ERA, hundred twenty four strikeouts and one hundred and forty four innings and a one one nine WHIP. Uh, you know that's 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 extremely solid, especially when you start talking about the American League. And not just the American League, but I mean, you got to understand, like, I mean, he's been really good and and, 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 and I, I, I give him all the credit. But if you see the rest of this rotation, Sonny Gray, Graveman, all these guys and their ERAs above four, stuff like that. The problem there is in a it shouldn't park. in a pitcher's park. Exactly. All that foul territory, you're getting outs that you shouldn't that you wouldn't be getting at any other stadium. And it's just. It it boggles my mind how they are so poor. Like you said, wins loss don't matter. I mean, their best, their highest win total was ten, and and he, and Graveman had a ten and eleven record, so it was still a losing record. So that throw that completely out the window. But it's the it's the, it's the stats, the whip, you know, the 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 K through nine. All these things matter, and and nobody on this team has did anything this season that can make you feel good going forward, except for uh, Shamanea. Yeah, well, it's also, if you look at the way the team was constructed, it's pitchers who don't miss bats in a stadium with a ton of uh, with a ton of space for the ball to land. Like, that's just bad construction from Billy Bean's part. Um, Billy Bean, we got to talk about him for a second. He's, I mean, these, these A's team, out, this A's team outside, like, a solid season about four or five years ago in 
Yo, what a Cespedes is his actual prime as an A. Love that guy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but he, um, you know, since since he left, they they haven't had much success. They traded for John. They traded Lester for Cespedes actually at the deadline that season, thinking that they had a shot to to make a run if they traded for an arm. And that trade failed both teams because Lester was absolute garbage in Oakland. And since then, they've been irrelevant. But if your two biggest offensive pieces are Stephen Vogt and uh, Marcus Simeon and Chris uh, and Chris Davis, also I guess you could argue there. You're you're not going to win. You're you're not going to be good. No, you're 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 not going to be good. It's going to be a tough, uh, you know, a, a tough season and a tough, you know, future seasons. It looks like it looks like they're going to struggle couple for some time. But yeah, like you said, some bright spots. You know, forty two home runs from Chris Davis at a ballpark like that. That's impressive. That's that's just really good power. Um, Davis Davis is a is a sneaky underrated power hitter who seems destined to only play for bad teams. Yeah, that's going to be him forever because you know he he strikes out too much. Um, he 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 doesn't put the ball in play enough. His on base percentage isn't great. Uh, he doesn't walk enough. There's there's issues in his game, but when he hits the ball more often than not, he's hitting it pretty hard. Um, yeah, his average exit velocity is ninety three point is ninety three miles an hour, which is. Hard. That's it's hard. You know, the major league average is eighty nine point five. So he's 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 hitting the ball above average as far from a, from a like a hitting the ball hard perspective. Yeah, I mean, I and mean, you know, the two point nine wins above replacement. I mean, that's that's not bad. He he's not a bad player, but he's just not uh, a player that I could see contenders going after because there's too many holes in his game. Uh, you know, holes in his swing and and and. Uh, I just, I mean, it's, he's just, I think, going to be stuck there for quite some time. The only pieces I really think they can move and, and might want to move are Danny Valencia and Marcus Simeon. And then that's just to get some pieces back, but I don't Gray see them Gray. getting, yeah, they could get rid of Gray because I mean, but, but you know, his market value right now isn't anything that the A's can really benefit from. You know what I mean? They're going to have to sit, sit on him and hopefully he can have a good start to next season, if not a complete good next season. And then raise his market value again. I think right now uh, you'll be selling way too low with Sonny Gray. Yeah, I don't think they can actually get anything for Valencia. I think Valencia is a free agent. Good point, good point. And be a sne- Valencia is going to be a sneaky good signing for someone. But, I mean, this is a team that had Danny Valencia knock Billy Butler out in the middle of the season. That was the highlight of their season. <laughs> the highlight of their and my season, my friend. That was my, one of my favorite stories in all of baseball this year. But realistically this team just needs to bottom out for unfortunately for them they probably haven't seen the bottom like they might have seen the bottom of from a quality perspective and it might just be this bad for a while but they need to be bad and they need to add some some top value through the draft and they need to get their draft picks right that's exactly right man they can't miss on these draft picks they absolutely need to nail them spot on um i know billy bean has had a history of doing a pretty pretty good job of it but i think billy beans you know at a certain point you're gonna lose your luster and and i i I feel like he's safe for life just because oakland doesn't have that much ambition and he can be there as long as he wants but ultimately in any other position in any other team in, in the majors billy beans on the hot seat badly Oh, completely. And I, and that's the other thing I kind of don't get is because he, he was – this A's team was really good around the turn of the century through about 2007 or 2000, 2000, 2005, 2006, 2007. And then the economy and, – and then when the U.S. economy, when the mortgage economy tanked, baseball teams stopped spending and started locking up their players young. I feel like that kind of took Billy Bean's way of continually competing 
away from him. I feel like that, like that was the death knell to his over analytics, trying to find value and getting rid of it at his peak value because nobody wants to buy expensive contract people that they're going to have to pay unless they know that it's someone who's going to be truly elite. Exactly. It kind of did handcuff him and, and, you know, the Oakland A's because of their budget and stuff. So, yeah, no, I agree with that 100 percent, man. That's a very valid point. And um, I just don't know. I, I mean, they, I think this team, not only do they need to bottom out and, and really get their draft picks right, I really do think they just need fresh faces in the front office, fresh faces throughout the organization. Um and try to do it a different way because I, I really think that uh, it's lost its its luster. It's lost, you know, the romance of it all is gone. And and uh, you know, the Oakland baseball fans are really fun and 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 really passionate about their team. Uh, like both both Bay Area teams really are. Uh, but it's hard to get them to go to that game and support this team, especially with such a shitty stadium, man. Yeah, and I feel bad about that, too, because I like when the A's are good, because they remind me of those teams when I was young, you know. Those teams were, those teams in the, you know, 1989-1990 win a World, they win a World Series, and they, 88-89, they won one, and, actually, did they go to three World Series? They did? Yeah, they played the Dodgers against the Reds and against the Giants, uh, lost to the Dodgers, lost to the Reds. Beat the Giants. Beat the Giants. Beat the Giants, yeah. So, um, but those teams were fun. I mean, they had so much talent. Kinseiko, obviously juiced as hell. McGuire, obviously juiced as hell. But then you had, you know, other guys who were really fun to watch, like Scott Brocious, Walt Weiss, um, Terry Steinbach. Ricky. Ricky. You know, I like how it's just a first-name basis for that guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dave Stewart, like they were, that was a solid baseball team. That was fun to watch. Carney, Tarney Langsford. I mean, like it's, I like when the A's are good. It's good for baseball. They have a certain swagger and a certain passion in their fan base that I have nothing but respect for. 100% agree, man. Um, so what do you think the outcome is next year? You think they're going to scuffle really bad? You think it's going to get a little worse record wise? Or do you think maybe they might surprise a few people? I think they're staring down the barrel at a hundred losses. I think I think uh, I think you and me agree one hundred percent on that. It's going to be really tough sledding for the A's, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're just they're not going to be they're not going to spend to fix the problems that they have, and the free agent market doesn't have the fixes for the problems that they have. Like Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion are not going back there, and clearly they're not going to get Cespedes back. Thank you, uh, but. I, I don't see how they. I don't see how they score runs next season. I think their pitching will be okay, just okay. Well, they're going to need a little bit more than okay, but I think you and me agree, my friend. Yeah. Um, so let's move. Let's move on to Arizona, and uh, you know, I guess think, give me an expression that you think characterizes what happened there last season. Uh, uh I I don't. I think uh, it's just it was just function, man. I think there was new guys coming in there. Uh, Tony Larusa didn't know what he was doing. The general manager didn't know what he was doing. Um, they spent money on some quality players that didn't, you know, live up to the billing. I think they were unlucky as much as they were naive, to be quite honest. Yeah. See, I was going to go with the simpler version. I'm just going to call it buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah, that's a little less wordy. Yeah, I mean, just think about the moves that they made last offseason. They gave Atlanta a lot for Shelby Miller. Shelby Miller was designated for assignment. 
at one point. He cleared yeah. and he's back in their system. But shut, I mean, that shows you exactly how bad that investment was. I mean, one of the guys that gave up, Ender Enciarte, is going to be an extremely is, – is a very good baseball player. I, he's a much better player than Shelby Miller. No, absolutely. 100% agree with that. I think it was desperation. I think they really wanted to make a buzz and make an impact quick. I think they see their windows closing. Uh, they can't re-sign you know, Pollock and Goldschmidt. And they have these these contracts and these players that they're not going to be able to keep forever. Um, and so they really felt their window was closed. And uh, they really went for it. Unfortunately for them, it didn't really work out. I mean, they spent a ton of money on 13 wins and sack Grinky. They they spent a mon- ton of money on, on Shelby Miller, like you said, who didn't really um, do much, uh, designated for assignment. Uh, and then and Pollock was injured. So I think ultimately it started off poorly for them, and they never were able to get any traction going forward in the season. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's start with Granky because I think that's the best real case of underperformance. Granky coming off a season in L.A. where legitimately, if not for Clayton Kershaw even being alive, he wins the Cy Young Award. He goes in within the division to Arizona. Now, like, I get it. Arizona is a tougher place to pitch than L.A. because you're going from one of the best three or four pitcher parks in baseball in Dodger Stadium, especially once you start getting those breezes that come in at night that keeps that knocks everything down. And you go to Arizona, which is at elevation, desert, so there the ball rockets. Is that really, though, worth two and a half runs? No, it's more than that. I think uh, his body language tells you it's more than that. Uh, I don't know if he's relatively happy or settled or if, if um, he feels the team is competitive enough or gives enough or whatever it is. Zach Grinke is, is, is an interesting character uh, off the field in his own right. So um, I just – I don't know. I feel like it's more than just, you know – the the surroundings and stuff like that. Like it's something I think on a personal level or it's something else that's really bothering. I mean, a 437 ERA for Zach Grinky, bro, is, is astonishing. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the strikeout number, the whip, I mean, a 1.27 whip for a guy with Grinky's control seems ridiculous. Grinky can, no. Grinky can hit the tiniest spots possible and it's, it's not an issue for him. You know, but he's the type of guy that has confidence issues at times. I mean, we've seen it in the past in his in his career. It almost forced him out of the game, his anxiety and stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a, a little bit of a lot of things, trying to get acclimated to new environment, new team, new everything. Um, but, I mean, everywhere he had gone, even before the Dodgers, he had been a productive piece. Milwaukee, he was really good. The Angels, he was good. You know, with the Dodgers, he was pretty lights out for the most part. Um Cy Young in KC early in his career. He yeah. went a little eight block. He went a little haywire after that, and I think that's where the anxiety really perked up. But he's, I mean, this is a really good pitcher. Yeah, and I, you know, I'd be surprised to see him struggle and scuffle again next year. Um, and but I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the market and potentially get moved if somebody's willing to pick up that money because I think there's still quite a bit left in Zach Grinky's arm, and I think his competitive nature and if he's on a contender, Zach Grinky can really help a ball club. Yeah, I just don't necessarily see who wants to pick up that contract. That's the only part about it. It's it's just so much money. No, I agree. I agree. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, and, and when he left and when he signed with uh, with with Arizona, I was a little bit peeved, a little bit annoyed. Um, but I'm kind of glad we dodged that bullet this season. But I mean, I I I, I don't think he would have had that season in L.A. 
No, I think, and I think honestly, he might have been able to put us over the hump if he was healthy. And uh, I'm not saying we beat the Cubs, or I'm not saying that we win the World Series. I'm not saying anything like that per se. But our chances were definitely would have been uh, a lot better. Yeah, considering the fact that every single game was a bullpen game for you going down the uh, past the uh, you know basically past Kershaw starts every game was a bullpen for it game for you. Dave and Dave Rob- Dave Roberts did a, a nice job considering that. But uh, going back to the the rest of the rate, the uh, sorry, the D back staff jumping ahead. Uh, we got a full season out of Archie Bradley. I'm not sure that I liked what I saw. <laughs> I'm not sure they liked what they saw, man. A five point, uh, you know, a five point oh two ERA, a one and a half over a one and a half WHIP. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think you know they expected more from him. You expected more from him. I expected more from him. You know, Archie Bradley's had a lot of buzz on him, and and to see him perform in that way, I know the ballpark's not exactly great, uh, pitcher friendly and stuff, but uh, you still expected a little bit more. Yeah, I mean the strikeout numbers were good, and that's where I guess you could try to take some sort of solace is that he'll he'll strike a lot of guys out just because of the you know just because that's his stuff, but. Who strikeout numbers are also with guys who have, you know, terrible control also tend to be high because the hitter and the catcher both don't know the ball's gonna end up. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and then that's that's what the, the you know it seems like with with Bradley with Robbie Ray, uh, those are the types of things they were banking on was the strikeout because in all honesty, this team didn't play much defense either. No, and a lot of that goes down to the fact that their best defensive player was out for the you know went out for the. For ninety percent of the season, two weeks before it, uh, losing AJ Pollock was really bad for this team. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end. I think. Yeah, because I mean, they were they made a really nice run at the end of last season. Uh, I think before the season, both of us thought that this was a team that would finish above five hundred, teeter into the wild card race, but not get there. And I mean, they they really flattered to deceive. No, I agree 100%. I think we were both uh, pretty optimistic for them on improving from the year before, but not not quite enough still. I think there would, we both thought they had to have some gelling going on. We weren't too sure about the manager, the front office, and all that's kind of proven to be right. Um, but in all honesty, man, they do have some players, though. I mean, you want to talk about Paul Goldschmidt, Yasmani Tomas was a bright spot for them. Uh, you know, I like, I like Jake Lamb. I think Jake Lamb is going to be a, a very solid major league player. I mean, Lamb went out and put up twenty nine and ninety one. The average, not great, but the OPS, you know, the on base percentage more than makes up for it. I mean, if he ever hits for a little bit more average, Lamb is a solid major league player. This team, this team scores runs, no, no doubt about. It. So we saw that the D backs can, uh, can certainly hit. They can't pitch, but how how do we think they fix that? How do you fix that in this particular case? You know, I think they're going to be hesitant on going out and getting, you know, premier free agent pitching. Not to say there's a ton out there right now, but um, they're going to have to go with second and third tier guys, uh, spend a little bit less money, hope that they can overperform and uh, really rely on what they have now. Um, Zach Grinke, obviously, and, and, and hope that Shelby Miller could rehab and come back next season and contribute to them. Uh, they can have seasons, you know, players grow from last season and, and really develop into something. I think that's the best way to do it, if, if not internally, but I'm not too sure what they have internally right now that can help them on a major league level. Yeah, so there's one other thing. I, I have to agree with you, and there's one other thing to bring up with this team, which is they did have Gene Segura, who led the, le- the National League in base hits this season, 
actually uh, just traded him over to Seattle. The two pieces that they picked up big from the uh, f- from the Mariners in this trade are Kendall Marte, a young shortstop who looks dazzling with a glove and uh, you know fairly average with the uh, with you know with the bat. And then there's also uh, Taiwan Walker, long long rumored, long loved prospect who finally got 25 starts in a season last year with uh, the Mariners and he pitched okay 4.22 ERA 119 strikeouts and 134 innings 1.24 whip 8 and 11 record uh, he was okay he wasn't great but it's you know it's it's an interesting move for them already trying to rework their roster to get more pitching in yeah you know but I think that's a risk um you know, Taewon Walker is a player that I've, I've liked for or have been excited for for a long time. I think that there's so much upside there that that could benefit him. Gene Segura, I've seen, um, I've seen him scuffle a few seasons. I've seen him be good a few seasons. I think his inability to be consistent year in and year out is really what uh, I think had the Diamondbacks more readily um, able to make that move to, to bring in these talents um, from Seattle. You know, is it a move that I like? Yeah, because I think that Arizona has enough, you know, runs in that lineup to really uh, be able to compete if they can sort out their pitching. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with you on that. Uh, where do you see this team finishing up as is? Do you think Do you think they uh, actually will improve from last season? I don't know if they'll improve. Um, to be quite honest, I think they're going to scuffle. They might they, they they might win ten more games or so, but I still don't see them. Uh, getting out of the cellar in, 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 in the West, to be quite honest. I don't see them competing, but I do see them getting closer to 500. Well, it's a start. And it's they need a start. To start. Yeah. So uh, moving across to the state of Florida, because of all sorts of consternation, we have the <laughs> Tampa Bay Rays, a team that is uh, at the bottom of a stacked division. And uh, so, first off, if you're asking part of what went wrong is the fact that they play the Red Sox, Yankees, Orioles, and Blue Jays a lot, and they're not as good as any of those teams. But if you try to look any deeper, it's this team doesn't score runs. Yeah, I mean, and 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 their their key player, their key run producer, Evan Longoria, ninety eight RBIs, thirty six you know home runs. He played one hundred and sixty games, which is great on him because he's had a lot of trouble staying healthy over the last few seasons but ultimately he's a guy that you have to try to ship and you have to try to move now because his stock is not going to get any higher he's an aging player um and you need a lot more than just evan longoria to be quite honest and if you can get anything with a lot of upside i think you have to do it because the odds of evan longoria giving you 140 150 games next season and then going forward is, is pretty slim no, I, I happen to agree with you. And on top of that, too, Longoria, I can see where it's a little bit of a, an emotional attachment to the Rays and Longoria, and it's mutual. Because Longoria was, you know, the centerpiece of when this team actually got good after being, you know, basically a joke for the first, I don't know, 10 to 12 years of their existence. Like, they were a perennial 100-loss team. They started to invest well through the draft and got you know had some talent that really came through uh, because of the fact that they're a small market in a terrible stadium. They couldn't keep much of it. I mean, you had David Price leave. You had you had Longoria still there. You had you had BJ Upton leave. 
you had many others leave. I mean, you had Casimir go. You can name a lot of people who left the the Tampa Bay organization. Uh, but Longoria is the one who's been there, and he's been the face of the franchise, and he's been a good soldier for this team. And you'd like to see him get a shot to actually win. You would, but I think they're so far removed from winning. Um, you know, they had their chance. They made it to a World Series. They did those things, and then they really capitalized on uh, the momentum they had and the teams they had. But right now, they're so far removed from that, especially in that stacked division. I mean, you know, Toronto might lose a little if they, if they lose Joey Bats and Edwin Encarnacion. They might, but the amount but they're of they're going to spend. Right, and the amount of offense in this division in general uh, doesn't really allow for this team to be able to keep up, uh, you know, in the scoring department or, or anything like that. But let me ask you about a particular player on this Rays team. How disappointed have you been in Desmond Jennings he, in his, for his career? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a non-factor. I don't even think he's on their 40-man roster anymore. I, I don't think they're – I think that he is a player that they're just no longer keeping around. He's finally just wore out his welcome. And that's a shame because what you heard from him, he was going to be, you know, a a cornerstone to that team. He was going to be a key piece. And and everybody was excited when he came in. He he came in with a bang. And and, then, I don't know, just, I mean, baseball is a game of consistency. And and if you're not going to be able to do it on a daily basis and grind through it, you know, year in and year out, it's, it's going to be tough for you. And I just think, you know, Desmond Jennings, he has all the tools. It has to be, you know, something else aside from physical with him because he has all the tools. He has the speed. He can play some defense. He has enough pop. Uh, he just, he's just been incredibly disappointing uh, from what I expected out of him. Yeah, I was actually just checked. He was released at the end of the season. So, yeah, none of, none of that shocking. Yeah, no, man. Um, but let's go to the pitching side. I mean, they don't have much there either. Chris Archer, nine and nineteen. He is their star pitcher, a four ERA, a one and a quarter WHIP. None of those things sound that appealing for you know what is considered to be an ace in this league. Yeah, I mean, it was a down year for him. That's for certain. I still think he's got a ton. I mean, I still think he's one of the most talented ten pitchers in baseball. I, I'm a big Chris Archer fan. I mean, even if you look at some of the things that went wrong for him this season. He still struck out 233 batters in 201 innings. He still only allowed people to hit at a 238 clip against him. It's just he got unlucky with the home run ball. That happens to some pitchers sometimes. He jumped from giving up uh, 15 in his rookie year to 12 the season after to 19 in his third year, and then last year he gave up 30. Yeah, and then they're, they're you know the three starters that started the most games for them, Smiley, Odorizzi, and, and Archer. They each gave up thirty dingers, and that's just going to be tough to win that way, man. Yeah, but there is one cause for some optimism coming into next season, which will be the return of Alex Cobb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that absolutely. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Alex Cobb fan. He's I mean he's posted two straight seasons where he's pitched really really well. Uh, the issue with him is just durability, which is he's not, like, not remotely. Yeah. And then that, that, that's the most frustrating part when you see players that have so much ability and really you see them go out there, you see the flashes, you see them be able to dominate a game, you see the command, you see all the things that, that you know, tell you this pitcher has the capability of being elite. 
but his body just doesn't cooperate with him. And, and that's, you know, as frustrating as it is for me, I can only imagine how it is for him. So how much value did put in 200 innings a year for a starter? Um, I think it's important in, in, in certain, in certain aspects. Um, I think it's important because you save your bullpen, right? And if you're a team that's going to compete and go deep into the playoffs, you really want a fresh bullpen because that matters. If we see that in the playoffs, it matters more and more. And we're seeing it matter more and more every season. We're seeing, you know, these these pitchers start to move around, not necessarily a closer, but a specialist that start to do, you know, come into really important parts of the game. And uh, so it, it is important because I think freshness is important when you get down – to, to, to the postseason if you're a, a, a really competitive team. And we saw that with the Dodgers uh, when they got into these bullpen games at the end of the year in the playoffs, they were just spent. They, they just didn't have anything left. And, and you know, and that's a product of, you know, us having so many pitchers, so many injuries, so many problems, and Dave Roberts having to fill those gaps and, and make the moves and do what he has to do to make sure that we win these games. But, but bullpen um, – freshness matters to me i think matters a lot and if you can have some pitchers that could give you 180 190 200 innings consistently then you're only benefiting yourself man i, I happen to fully agree with you uh and that was a problem for this for this race team they did not they got 200 out of archer they got 187 out of Odorizzi, and they didn't get a ton of innings elsewhere i mean matt andreese gave you some innings but that was that was basically it for them smiley gave them you know some terrible innings, but uh, Drew Smiley pitched a four eight four eight eight ERA. They weren't good innings. One hundred and seventy five bad innings isn't necessarily like it, it. You 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 some of those are probably take punishment for the team innings. Yeah, those are those are like well, it's your game, it's your ball. Just go out there and you know navigate through this game because you know we we don't have much in the pen and we don't we we're resting arms and we're doing whatever we're doing so. To be quite honest, like you said, Drew Smiling's innings, they matter. Uh, but in, the, in in this instance, in a team like the Rays, it's really just scuffling, really just trying to skate by in a division that's really tough. Uh, if you don't have the, the, the other numbers, the ERA, the whips, those types of numbers to go along with the innings, they're insignificant. So if we're going to talk about the bright sides for this Rays team this season, uh, you're going to talk about Alex Colomay and you're going to talk about Brad Miller. Colomay first. He emerged as an elite closer in baseball this year. Yeah, and then that was actually it caught me off guard. I, I was surprised with how good he was, how how nasty his stuff was, and then uh, I think that's really like you said that in their pitching staff, aside from hoping Chris, Ar- Chris Archer could rebound uh, if they keep on hold of him and don't trade him off. Um, Alex Colomay is probably the brightest arm in that in what seems to be that entire organization right now. Yeah, I mean. 71 strikeouts in 56 innings out of the pen, 37 saves. Total, you know, that's that's what you want to see out of a lockdown reliever. No, absolutely. Especially, you know, you see, that's the thing with, with, with guys like Colomay. He had 37 saves for a team that wasn't that competitive. If he was on a team that was more competitive, were able to be close in games, We'd be talking about Alex Colomay as elite, elite closer, uh, you know, in the same regard as we're talking about maybe not Kenley Jansen, maybe not Britain, but, 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 you know, the tier below them. And, and uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's frustrating to see a guy with so much potential be stuck on a team that really doesn't have uh, a good outlook going forward. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was impressed by him, but I don't, I don't expect him to be there long, to be quite honest. 
I, I don't either. I mean, especially also because closers are like the most movable pieces possible. Everybody, every contender is looking for bullpen arms at the deadline, and everybody will trade far too much as far as prospects to get that arm that they think puts them over the top. I mean, you saw what basically the Yankees did at, with Andrew Miller and uh, Aroldis Chapman and how much they were able to rebuild off of that. So someone will pay eventually too much for Colomay. Yeah, and, and that's what they have to bank on is that they, you know, whatever pieces they do move and end up moving, that the opposition overpays time and again because this is a team a lot like the Oakland Athletics that doesn't have a big budget, that doesn't spend, doesn't have a great stadium. Uh, they have to build from within and they have to build, uh, you know, through the draft and free agency and, and stuff like that. So uh, it's always tougher for teams, small teams like that. But, but, Colome is a piece that I'm confident him and Archer are two pieces that I'm confident when they do eventually move on, you know, they're going to get top, top, top prospects uh, and, and top money for, I mean, you have to. That's the thing. I think the Archer trade happens this season. I think it happens this off season or it happens I've, or it happens in the middle of the season. And you know what? I could, I, I know where, I think I know where he's going to end up. I think Chris Archer ends up as a Chicago, as a Chicago Cub. I think the Cubs give up, some premium talent to get to get an ace that they can use so that they don't have to pay Arietta or pay or, or you know or just have a young controllable arm for a bit to go along with that young talent because they're going to spend the money. No, you're right, and and that's a good shout because uh, you know Lester, the Dodgers could also probably be in play there too. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I, I I see the Cubs as a more likely destination for the reasons you said. Um, you know, Lester's getting up there in age, and then Arietta's also uh, not exactly a spring chicken. And then and we saw this year that he was actually a human being. So you know, it can show that 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 if they can get an arm like Archer, if they can get somebody like you said that they can control for some time, you know, that, that's for the first two seasons, you're three aces deep. And then, you know, after that, Archer can take the reins and make it happen. And, and that's exciting. If you're a Cubs fan to think about, to, to know that you have that, you know, without the all the to go get that guy. I'm sorry. What? It's also know that you have the ammo to go get that guy. Yeah, exactly. You have, you have, you have, a, you know, you're so stacked in the farm system. You're so stacked on the major league roster. Uh, you have so many players that would start another team just sitting on the bench and platooning that for them to go out and pluck these players from teams that that are desperate to sell uh, for good value, you know they're good. The Cubs, you know, they could take advantage of that every day. Yep. So moving on, also Brad Miller had a breakout season. I, I think it's a fluke. Uh, career high previous to this season: eleven homers and forty six RBIs it, over the course of one hundred and forty four games. He plays one hundred and fifty two games in Tampa Bay and hits thirty while driving in eighty one. Um, I don't think that's sustainable. No, I don't think that that, that Brad Miller um, is somebody that I would bank on if I'm the if I'm the the Rays to contribute on a regular basis and to be a cornerstone of the franchise uh, going forward. Because, uh, like you said, he's been inconsistent. He hasn't shown this in the past, and uh, you know, and, and, and I, they they relied on him a lot this season to to you know to to contribute. But you really have to build this team on on pieces greater than a Brad Miller. And, and I just don't see that happening for, for quite time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And where do you, th- do you think this race team has any chance of competing in the AL East next year, or is it going to take some more time of them just building and having to make trades to rebuild? I think that it's going to take some time. 
it's going to take some time. They're going to have to um, release or or get rid of some of the things that they have and assets they have now and really start from scratch going forward. It's just, for me, that division is so difficult for them to, to even consider competing uh, anytime relatively soon, to be quite honest, dude. Yeah, I happen to agree with you. So in the meanwhile, if you're a Rays fan, just appreciate Kevin Kiermaier's ridiculous plays. Yeah, Kevin Kiermaier is one of my favorite players in baseball. Uh, if he I could love stay, watching he, him. That's going to be a, a big factor, a big contributor to this team. But ultimately, uh, you know, that, that that's the kind of guy that can, you know, stay in Tampa for a long time because uh, although there's a market for him, he's, a, he's not a huge power guy. He's not a huge offensive contributor. But it's it's the intangibles he brings. It's the way he plays the game. It's the defense he plays. Uh, for me, Kevin Kiermaier, like you said, yeah, definitely one of my favorite players in the game right now. Yeah, no, he's so much fun to watch. And then finally, driving up 95 from well, Tampa's on the west coast of Florida. So it's not on Route 95, but if you if you cut across the east coast of Florida and drive up Route 95, you get up to Philadelphia eventually, and that's where we're going to end today. The Philadelphia Phillies. Um, a team that knew a while ago that they needed to to reset, and you know for good reason. They had a, they had a fantastic run from 2007 through 2011. Much of it at my expense, but uh, they you know that that Phillies team over that period of time was fantastic. They got their chip, and they then paid for it by watching some extremely lean years with not much that they could get rid of, but they could stockpile some talent, and that they did. Um, this year, they, they debuted a lot of young players. Some of the pitching had some, uh, some, very positive, some very positive signs and some very negatives, and the offense was putrid. But uh, where do you start with this team? What, what excites you about the Phillies' future? Because it is one to be excited about. They've, they've really reworked their roster. Yeah, no, man, they got some young pieces, you know, Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco or some pieces offensively that I think really are exciting players and can grow and develop into something, you know, that that can really, you know, build this team around because I do think they're exciting and I do think they have enough in them. You know, for me, pitching wise, they're young as well, you know, but but I don't know how quickly that comes along. Their, their pitcher, their, their stadium's not exactly, you know, pitcher friendly. Uh, they're, they're in a division with the Mets and the Nats, and that's always going to be tough because those two teams come out there to play. They pitch, they hit, they do everything relatively well. The Braves are also in a rebuild mode, and they're really going to try to stockpile as well, like we discussed last time. I think it's really going to be a race between the Phillies and the Braves to see who can be the next team after, you know, this wave for the, for, or, or, you know, for the, for the Mets and, and the Nats passes because everything goes in waves and everything comes in cycles. You're going to be hot and you're, you're going to have your cold years and you're rebuilding. I just think that, you know, I think it's going to be a race between the Phillies and the Mets. I mean, Phillies and the Braves to see who can really come out on top when, you know, it's time to really compete in this division again. Because, But I still see that being a long way off, three, four years, really, because the Mets and, and the Nats really seem to have a stronghold on this division, bro. Yeah, I happen to agree with you, and I, appre- and I appreciate the fact that I've been, you know, a fan of one of the teams that has the stronghold. But I will say, the, the one player who showed you, I think, probably the most of any any of the Phillies players this season is Odubel Herrera. Um, you know, he was, he played basically at, at, at an all-star level. I don't want to say an elite level, but at an all-star level. And, I mean, he was justly rewarded with, with an all-star berth. But uh, 15 homers, adding 25 steals, a 361 on base percentage. You know, pretty much 
a guy who should be hitting leadoff, but because of the team he plays on, occasionally also has to hit in the three spot, which he's less equipped for. Yeah, I think that's the thing with this team, man. Is they have some pieces, like like we've discussed, we've discussed this in the past, and we're you know they have some exciting pieces. They just don't have the capability to play these pieces or put them in the lineup in a place where they can be most successful because they don't have you know, a good, a huge power bat. Ryan Howard's hitting 196 and he's just dead weight on this team. Uh, well, he's also, he's also no longer there just because the contract is finally up. The worst contract oh, in baseball history is finally over. Then God, they're celebrating and popping champagne in Philly. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard. Uh, it's just hard when you don't have a player that uh, commands that type of respect from the opposition that, uh, you know, pitch around this guy or hit a guy second because their third hitter is going to allow you to have good pitches to hit and allow you to to get a lot of fastballs and get on base and contribute it's really hard when you are so lean like like you said and and and, i don't know they're not built appropriately yet for that stadium i don't think no they're not i mean they're gonna they're gonna need to take the time to do so but they're you know there's talent and there's talent there, though. I mean, in the in the offense too, because you also still have Michael Franco, who's a very good hitter, as you mentioned earlier. Tommy Joseph showed a little bit. Uh, Tommy Joseph and Ryan Howard. I think the Phillies actually tried to have the first first baseman platoon where everybody just only had first names. <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty funny, actually. But then, if you look down into the uh, the farm system, J.P. Crawford figures to come through at some point this season and he's reputed to be an absolute stud uh, i haven't seen him play because i just don't watch philadelphia phillies minor league games um i, I mean but you're, you're gonna get to see a healthy dose of him and from what I, from everything i've heard he's rumored to be fantastic as is uh jorge alfaro their catching prospect who is supposedly just also really good and if you look at the lower level of the minors, the Phillies organization right now is just brimming with talent. I mean, this is a team that will break out at some point uh, because they've traded wisely. The trades that they made to get rid of uh, Cole Hamels and then the trade they made to get rid of Ken Giles. The Ken Giles trade really pisses me off because the Astros overpaid for a guy who's so mediocre. Yeah, um, I think the Astros have had a tendency recently to kind of overreach and overpay, which is a shame because they're not exactly a, a huge budget or a huge, you know, market and franchise either. So they really need to be smarter. I think they do make some decisions, uh, you know, without really fully thinking them through. But yeah, no, the Phillies, uh, uh, like I said, man, the Phillies definitely have some pieces, um, you know, on the pitching staff that they have now. I mean, we talked about Helixson not too long ago and how, you know, he signed that ridiculous deal. Which, highway you know, robbery. Highway ro- That is highway robbery. More kudos to him. You know, 12 wins gets you that much money, apparently. How much money did he get? 17? 17.2 million. Yeah. For 12 wins. 12 wins. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, and if you look also, can... there is – look at the other guys who made starts in this staff this season – um, Alec Asher made a bunch of starts towards the end of the season. I saw him pitch twice against the Mets. You know, he, he looks like he's a decent pitcher. He doesn't look like there's too much to him. Uh, Jared Eikhoff, who I really like, although I think that his lack of a – he's a fastball curveball guy, and his curveball is it's really good, but I think the lack of velocity on his fastball will eventually catch up to him. Aaron Nola, who came up, pitched incredibly well, and then the league kind of caught up to him. He needs to adjust to him. 
And then uh, Jake Thompson also pitched decently in a short audition. And Vince Velasquez, who showed that he could strike a lot of guys out, but also that he runs up high pitch counts and has trouble getting deep into games. So as much as there's talent in that staff amongst uh, some of these younger pitchers, there's also a lot of question marks and development that this team needs to do with them. Right. They have the talent. They have the arms. It's just a matter of if they can develop them properly, if they can uh, nurture them in a way where they can all be successful. Um, I'm not too sure, man. Like you said, Eikhoff, he's a guy that has some some quality to him. But, you know, like you said, in a league that you don't have too much different from your off speed and your fastball, you're going to scuffle and you're going to struggle unless you're Greg Maddox. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's the thing. Having a great curveball is, is good. Like it's nobody's ever going to say that like it's not good to have a good off-speed pitch, but you still pitch off your fastball. Like that's the way baseball works. Unless you're a rare pitcher, which basically means you're a knuckleballer. For the most part, you have to establish some like some sort of fastball with some sort of, and you either have to have incredible command with it or it's just hard. And realistically, you kind of need both at this day and age. And I just don't think he throws hard enough to have lasting success but you know what i actually want to see someone buck that trend no yeah i just think you know he can do a lot of things to to to, to work in his advantage i mean we saw rich hill last season and then throughout his career it's the changing of the arm angles he only has like two or three pitches but he throws them from so many different angles that he does give you different looks and it allows him to be a little bit more competitive it allows him to have that edge and i think uh Eikhoff, can probably learn a thing or two from pitchers of that ilk and in that mold and then really uh, develop different arm slots, different angles, and give guys different looks, and that can only benefit him. Yeah, and the other guy too, I mean, Nola, a good pitcher, but once again, I just think that it's a similar situation of does he throw hard enough to have lasting success? That's going to be, the, that, and that's going to be the thing with a lot of these guys. The Phillies aren't building around a lot of power arms. Now, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because the power arms also tend to get hurt more often. Like, yeah, it's 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 a give and take. You know, you might not have the success, but you might have also the uh, you know, you might have you might get away with uh, the longevity. No, yeah, that, that's uh, that's very true. And, and you know, uh, these guys like they had, like we said, man, they really do have a chance to develop. They really do have enough talent to be good for a long time. It's just a matter of how they go about it, how the Phillies nurture these guys, how they how they get them prepared, how these guys' work ethic is, and how much work they want to do behind the scenes, not just in the bullpen sessions, but watching film, studying the opposition. The game has evolved so much analytically that these guys have all the resources at their fingertips. I mean, we watch these playoffs, man, and we see these guys, you know, on iPads in, in, in the in the dugout nowadays. So uh, they got to take advantage of these things and really learn the game to be able to be competitive. And, and they're young enough that they have that opportunity to do that. Yeah. So before we close out, let's go with this final question for ourselves. Uh, the Phillies, will they finish in third place in the NL East? Um, assuming that the Mets and Nats are as good as we think they will be. Um, and, is that third place? How, is that third place uh, plus or minus five hundred? And if so, how many games do you think? I'd say they don't finish in third place because I still think the Marlins are a better team. Um, and I, but I do think that third place is still roughly five hundred, probably plus or minus ten, plus ten games. I'll say, but I think the Phillies are still going to finish 10, 15 games under five hundred. 
I think that they, I think that they still finish in third place. Also, although I, do, I think the Marlins' pitching is terrible, and we'll get to that. Um, and I think that they finish nine to twelve games under five hundred. Well, we're not too far off. Yeah. I just think I, we just feel differently about the Marlins. I think. Well, yeah, and it's also you know it's November thirtieth. The winter meetings haven't happened yet, so a lot can and will change. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's that's it from us this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this particular this particular edition of the seventh inning stretch, and we'll be back at you next week with four teams that we're gonna figure out by looking at the standings in the course during the course of this week. Yeah, crappy teams. We're looking at you. We're actually gonna get towards the mediocre ones very soon. I don't know. Just a lot of crap. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, everybody. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.